0: Welcome to Data Protection Gumbo, the podcast where we cook up a delicious blend of cybersecurity, privacy, and data protection topics to serve you a hearty bowl of insights. Whether you like your gumbo spicy with a dash of encryption or prefer a milder flavor with a side of compliance, we've got you covered. So grab a spoon, sit back, and let's dive into the pot of Data Protection Gumbo. Welcome to another episode of Data Protection Gumbo. I'm your host, Demetrius Malbro. And on today's episode, we have a conversation with Alex Hesterberg, who is the CEO at Saperna. He has more than 25 years of experience across executive leadership, business strategy, business operations, customer success, and also sales functions. And before that, he served as the chief strategy officer and chief customer officer of Delphix. And over the last two decades, he has held numerous roles at Turbonomics, Pure Storage and including Veritas. So, Alex, welcome to the gumbo. How are you?
1: I'm doing great, Demetrius. Thank you very much. I appreciate the, 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 the kind and thoughtful and uh, thorough intro as well. It's great to be here today.
0: Yeah, it was only a snippet into everything that I, I was reading, and I, I really felt that we didn't have enough time to go through all of the accomplishments. <laughs> You're uh, reminding that, me how uh,
1: old I am. Thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we may be. Well, I don't know. You might You might have me by a, a year or two. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at the gray hairs, but uh, you, you may have me be there. <laughs> I think I do. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let, let's jump into... What's happening right now is that I am seeing the rise in unstructured data and it's not like it's anything new. That's been happening and going on for for decades now, but we're in a really interesting space in the industry right now. And I'll, I'll just name a few things that's happening. We all are hearing about ransomware attacks. We're hearing about things like ChatGPT, and we're also hearing about how the overall, the geopolitical landscape, everything right now is, is digitized, and you can't help but to understand how the, the global picture leans and plays into the overall structure of the way business is, uh, is happening today. But I would, I really want to get your opinion around some of the trends that you are seeing in the unstructured data front.
1: Yeah. Uh, thanks, uh, Demetrius. And you're, you're spot on. It's, uh, the unstructured data front is, is really, it's, it's been heating up for a little while and it's only getting hotter and hotter. You know, just for context, when we, when we often talk about, we hear the, the big stories about, Zettabytes and zettabytes and hundreds or dozens of zettabytes being created every single year in digital data. The reality is uh, just shy of 90% of that data being created each year in, in the zettabyte range uh, is unstructured. So, structured data in databases actually accounts for about 10%, give or take of the digital data created. Most of it is unstructured. It's files, which people hold near and dear to their heart. It's what they use every day to to do their jobs. It's video, it's images, it's intellectual property. And for, uh, for the most part, unstructured data platforms, which have been broken up into file systems, which are kind of near and dear, very precious to people. And then object storage, which has been the area where in the past a lot of sort of data has just been dumped and forgotten about there there are some really interesting things that are happening across both of those number one we're seeing a a trend for customers to leverage object storage for example both on-prem and in the public cloud as a performant and very cost-effective alternative to storing even copies of structured data uh, on them for recovery and resiliency, and I'll give you the example, like Delphix, for example, where I where I worked. Well, one of the things we ended up doing uh, over the course of the last, you know, two years was created the ability for customers to store copies of of structured data on unstructured data platforms like Amazon S3, and so you got the benefit of a structured copy on an unstructured platform that was performant enough and cheap enough that you could keep granular copies of data in the event you needed to recover from a very, very specific granular point in time. So so that's one. Uh, The second thing we've seen is within the application space, even tier zero, tier one applications like SAP. So you look at SAP HANA, for example, it's an in-memory database, which means most of the power and the spend, quite frankly, is 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 in the memory it's in the memory and, and the compute layer it's not so much the the our database structure that requires three hundred thousand iops of performance out of a out of the storage layer and so we've seen customers actually adopt object storage as the primary storage in some of their sap hana deployments and that's like a really big shift i mean look you're, you're getting the cost benefit of, of spending uh, less money on the storage layer, which is good. You are going to spend more money in the in the compute layer and the memory layer because it's an in-memory database. but it's a fantastic way to offset some of those additional costs um, in the memory layer with you know, by choosing a storage layer that you don't necessarily you know, need to be so high performance and then the the third thing and i think it's on the, everybody's top of mind for everybody you mentioned chat GPT and open ai is the the ai ml and i will even throw in the business intelligence the bi tools uh, and capabilities and services out there today so if if you went back about only 2 years ago there were there was probably less than 10 or 15% of the bi tools out there were being fed unstructured data as part of making sense of, of, of business uh, or being put to work uh, to analyze data that that number has jumped almost 300 percent so there there have been investments in business intelligence tools to accommodate for more unstructured data being uh processed as part of you know running the business and analyzing analyzing a variety of businesses on the artificial intelligence and the machine learning front unstructured data uh is this sort of backbone of of how a lot of these how a lot of these services are working and what and essentially what is what it, what they produce so uh again most uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning ingestion has been structured data up until literally the last couple of years, but more and more of the data going in to AIML algorithms is actually unstructured. And the funny thing is the output from most of these these this processing is actually the majority, almost 100% of it is unstructured data. Nothing is really coming out of AIML algorithm crunching and going into a, a structured database right off the bat. So you have this phenomenon where more data that traditionally had probably been sitting there and not getting used is being put to work in analytics services, BI services, AI ML services and the output from that is also unstructured and so it needs a place to land, it needs a place to be segmented, it needs a place to be fed and that footprint is growing at a like a staggering 65% cagr and we're only in the very beginning of the kind of AI ML and i would even say the bi side we're we're at the very beginning of that with that 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 number could could jump really aggressively over the course of the next 2 to 3 years so that's the, that's the area we play in like dealing with really large really complex multi-platform deployed data footprints uh, that are unstructured in nature. And again, some of them are file systems, which people have held near and dear to their heart every day for the last couple of decades. And then the, the object side of the house, which is becoming increasingly used and important in some of the big modern technology trends that we're seeing today.
0: A lot of different terminology that's being thrown around now. Ransomware, obviously, is the number one threat. It's growing in sophistication and now with the conversation around AI and ML, there's a, a debate whether or not, you know, who's going to get the uh, the leverage when it comes to utilizing AI to either uh, fight for bad or for good when it comes to, you know, operationalizing and, you know, just growing in sophistication and the whole AI, ML uh, side of the house because on the on the good side you have the anomalous activity scanning and monitoring as well you have that immutable storage aspect of it but on the bad side you also have these the bad guys that are leveraging AI to you know kind of automate the attack surface to get in and to move laterally across you know an organization to capture the crown jewels what what are you seeing and what are you hearing out there overall when it pertains to you know, keeping that data secure, keeping unstructured data secure, and all data for that matter.
1: Yeah, you 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 really nailed it there with uh, with the question. So uh, this is a this is for us a um, a massive opportunity. First part of your question, where you talk about the detecting the anomalies, and then you talk about the immutable storage. Couldn't agree more on both parts. Um, the the element in between there is what we refer to as the security to data gap right so so the the there's there's no doubt like when people are trying to bad actors or or, or people nefarious nefarious actors are trying to get into your environment most of the security players out there do a very good job at, especially like uh, XDRs, uh, endpoint uh, endpoint uh, analysis companies that are aggregating alerts and they're seeing things come in from the periphery. They do a really good job of trying to keep everybody out at that layer. Now, the two things that are happening are you have, number one, you have internal bad actors, internal nefarious activity, where they don't need to get in from the outside. And the second thing is you just have more sophisticated attacks where Things can get in. Uh, things can burrow more quietly, and they can unleash havoc in a really, really quick and devastating way that it's almost impossible to take care of with with humans. And so you have to you have to combat it in a different way. So, what what I mean by closing the data to security gap is. We believe that protecting the crown jewels, which is your data, very few attacks are meant to get in just to steal your IP addresses. Everybody's trying to get to your data. That's the crown jewels. So our approach to data security has been to actually look at the data layer and secure the data layer itself. And I don't mean by encrypting or masking the data. What I mean is understanding how the data is being touched and manipulated through the metadata layer every single second of every single day. And what that allows us to do is detect not only when something like LockBit would take place, which is a strain of ransomware, and the behavior that LockBit takes when it gets access to files and to data, we will detect that action. We'll detect the burrowing point at the data layer itself, and we'll actually be able to cut off access for that host ID or that IP address when we see that action happening not not when a security layer tells us to go do something but we're watching the data itself
0: mm-hmm. and so that's that's real time
1: it's real time yeah it's actually the only time i've seen it within a security company um, mm, okay ever I, and it's one of the things that got me most mm. excited about joining superna uh, i've never seen not only the detection of a burrowing event but the action to cut it off when it's happening so, uh, and then to obviously alert and notify via email, via workflow, uh, the other parties that are interested security, the security layer, uh, members of the, of the company, but to be able to, to see it, stop it, and then alert on it, not just see it and alert, and then you have to worry about somebody else running and catching it. So it's a, it's a much more sophisticated way to capture and stop attacks that are becoming far more quick and sophisticated themselves um i just never i've never seen anything like it and uh it it i I was always wrestling with it yeah the 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 industry has been hyper focused on securing the periphery and then having a recovery plan yeah and it's there was a gap there it's like well what if we could like stop it like when we saw it happen what if if we're trying to go back to copies of data at some point aren't we already hacked aren't we already exposed aren't we in a recovery motion and there are a handful of us that were just sort of looking for the right way to address that threat factor and it was about being in real time it was about being at the data layer itself and essentially extending not only the security capabilities to the data layer in a very sophisticated way but being able to stop what was happening um, and you know without getting into product stuff i mean we do have the ability to air gap data even when we sense that data is being manipulated or, tr- or 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 touched by an ip address it doesn't normally get in touch by we can learn the behavior around data and then take actions there which better protect it and allow for a more seamless recovery or just prevent an attack from taking place in the first place
0: let's talk a little bit about what i'm seeing here and i've read all different types of articles around the skills gaps that are happening within the security industry. And obviously, we know that layoffs are not slowing down. And every time we think they're slowing down, we, we read another article saying that, yeah, another 10% was slashed or another 5% was slashed in the tech industry. Now, you mentioned about protecting the data layer by not, not encrypting or masking the data, but at the metadata layer and, and doing that in real time. What are you seeing overall from a backup and recovery plus a cybersecurity perspective overall from both of those sides working together in order to fight the good fight of overall data protection? Like what I'm really getting at here is that having the backup team work with the security team, maybe through a SOC. Like the security operations center, because you mentioned XDRs, and yep. I think you said Sim, Sim, and SOAR oh, yeah. is like another one as well. But it was something something that I've been studying lately, and the integration of those things. What What are you seeing just on the on the team front around those those teams working together? Are you seeing anything from that perspective?
1: So we're, we're I mean, we've been seeing the technology of of the technologies in the security space and in the data protection space really come together much more aggressively Uh, i think the tech tends to move a little bit quicker than the process changes and the people changes within most within most companies Mm -hmm. i think that's that's natural there's there's always a little bit of inertia there but i i think it's it's been said that the the next sort of wave of 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 security will be data security i think data protection is going to have to morph into data security uh you can see it already Mm -hmm. when you've Copies. Yeah, you can. Yeah, I mean, when you when you have copies of of, of backups that are necess- are needed to be scanned, right? By like the Tenable's and the Arctic Wolves and the Continuities of the World, you know, they're scanning backups from a security perspective, right? We almost seem to be inching closer and closer, and we do it too. Like we can actually determine, you know, if a burrowing point is if a burrowing point is happening. Should we be stopping replication? Should we be stopping a backup? Should we be cutting that off and recovering from the most recent backup that we know to be clean? You know, that those worlds are coming together really, really um, aggressively. And the companies that are gonna end up benefiting the most are the ones that marry those concepts of data security and data protection. And the the tools and the platforms are out there today. I mean, like what's out there, I mean, not just Superna, but like the the ecosystem of technologies that are there to build a, a a resiliency architecture that not only detects when issues are happening, but intelligently recovers from the right point. because look, even if if an attack happens, even if you detect it within you know minutes, you're still going to have some elements compromised. And so you you are going to have to have some kind of recovery. But recovering after minutes is a lot easier than recovering after hours or days or even months. I mean, yeah. you, you and I have both heard the, the, the 50 day, 90 day burrowing events where yeah. you know lion shares of data get in, you know get essentially encrypted or leaked, and it's it's horrible. It's terrible. The next generation of responding to these threats, which are to your point, they're automatic. They're they're technical in nature. They're they're you know they're they're really really crazy fast is to be able to marry those worlds of detection, uh, lockout, and then recovery, and being able to recover very quickly and very granularly. Mm-hmm. So your your RPO is just super tight. Your RTO is very fast. Your RTO is, is super tight.
0: Yeah, and uh, maybe one final question here. If, if you had an opportunity to call the the backup team, the storage team, Yep. And also the security team into a conference room. Yeah, let's go ahead and throw in the CISO as well. So you had all of all of those individuals in the room. How would you give me a two minute pitch into the type of conversation that you would have with all of those individuals since you only had a few minutes to uh, to teach them something or to let them know exactly, you know, here's what you should be focused on or here here's how. You can move forward if something was to happen.
1: Yep. Oh yeah. So uh, I would relish that opportunity. Wow. So the <laughs> the you know I, th- I think it, it all starts with one. You have the empirical data of what is happening today. Uh, unfortunately, there are so many examples out there of what the new the new set of threats, a new threat vector and landscape looks like. So there's no shortage of examples where we can point and say, this is the new dynamic of an attack. This is the new dynamic of a risk. This is the speed it works at, and what we used to do or consider to be normal and ex- and acceptable from an RPO and RTO perspective no longer fits mm-hmm. so the the work on the security side and the work on the on the on the data protection side have to come together so it's about number one setting the new goals for RPO and RTO against that threat vector or that set of that those set set of uh, threat vectors and understanding, you know, drawing the line in the sand, saying if we we don't want to lose more than this, and we have to be up and running in. And I've had other customers take me through this too. Like they set these goals that are just really, really tight and really rigorous. Like we will not go down. So if this threat vector attacks, uh, if this is the threat, or this is what happens, how do we make sure one hundred percent resiliency? And then work back from there. And you you start to see the data protection team come up with the ideas. as well. If we did that, we'd have to have backups every minute or every five minutes or, or every 15 yeah. minutes. Is that even possible? And then we'd look at the right. different and then have them really start to work on what are the technologies in place that we can apply to our data landscape that allows that to happen. The second thing is on the security front, how do we get from the periphery to the data layer itself and get very intelligent about what data is at risk, what data has been compromised, and how do we intelligently then bridge that to the data protection side of the house to recover uh, very, very forensically. And I think those are While we've heard, things like air gap and immutable and cybersecurity. Those are kind of the big overarching themes and terms that a lot of people are using today. I think where where we need to take the words we should be looking at between security and and data protection today Mm -hmm. are more like forensics, surgical, um, and expeditious. So how do we get very granular about understanding how we've been compromised, very granular about how we're protected, uh, and bridge those worlds together so that uh, the data protection team is recovering in a way that is much more surgical than it had it has had okay. to in the past. Um, but yeah. they can only do so much unless, uh, without the security team understanding when the threat is happening, how it's impacting, um, so that the data protection team knows how they can potentially recover. All
0: right. Uh, it looks like they are lining up in order to sign that PO. <laughs> so <laughs> you have effectively convinced me that, uh, hey, I need to listen to this guy because he's obviously saying something that uh, means... Hey, we're going to keep our data data safe and we're we're going to have a plan when something happens because it's just a matter of it's a matter of time, right? With with the technology that's out there today, they are going to get in one way or another, but are you ready when it happens? That's the question and that's the answer, I think, right?
1: You you got it. It's, and, and it's a team effort. It is it's definitely going to be it a is, team, it is. team effort
0: and also alex uh, one one final thing it's a it's a personal question here what what are you reading that may be able to help a gumbo listener out there
1: uh, so today? uh <laughs> i i am I'm, I'm a voracious uh i i don't necessarily read that much i do a lot of audiobooks uh full dis- full disclosure okay um, yeah. i am uh i am a, a for- I, I i'm voracious when it comes to the the stories of companies and how they've grown and scaled and ran into issues and tackled those issues. Uh, I just finished uh, super pumped actually not too long ago. You know uh, the story the story of Uber that was pretty, mm, that was pretty okay. interesting. But in terms of the like, I am a huge fan of Gene Kim. So Gene Kim did the Phoenix Project, uh, wrote the Phoenix oh, Project. Yeah. He's actually on our board at Delphix. Um, that that concept of Uh, and I got so into it, I think I read it twice. Uh, I read it once and I listened to it once. What,
0: the the Phoenix Project?
1: Yeah, the Phoenix Project. Yeah. Um, Just the concept of, of understanding the different pieces of IT and understanding, again, that that's different teams, it's different functions, it's different people, and bringing them together in such a way that they could just drastically accelerate and improve the outcome, whether it was standing up a new application stack, uh, going after a new market, um, bringing a new set of capabilities to, um, you know, internally or externally, but, but treating the teams in a way that they understand what they mean to each other. And, uh, and I think it's a perfect example of bringing the teams of like data protection and data security together. Uh, and it's, it's one of the things I, I was actually, I read the book I had a chance to meet Gene because he was actually a, a, an investor at Delphix and um when i started to see what was happening between data and data security the phoenix project just came to mind i'm like wow if we could bring these groups and functions together yeah uh much like the Kanban uh concept within the phoenix project it would it would be I think part of the part of the solution. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, So I would highly advise if if you have not read the Phoenix project to definitely go do it. It's a, it's an awesome book for our industry.
0: You know what? It's, it was on my list and then it fell off the list because I am like a rabbit when it comes to reading. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of jumping all over the place. It it depends on what captures my attention the most, but I'll definitely put that one back on the list because I've heard a lot of great things about the Phoenix project and um, just, Really appreciate you also being a guest on the show and dropping some some nugget bombs for the gumbo listeners, and I'm sure that they are going to walk away with a, a few insights around how to secure their data better and to uh, also have some options on thinking about recovery in case the worst happens. So, uh, any any final or closing thoughts or shout-outs?
1: Yeah, well, first of all, I want to shout out yeah, a shout out to you. I mean, thank you for the invite and thank you for the opportunity to to be on the podcast and you know, keep doing this and, and keep doing you and keep doing this because um, you know, the infrastructure tech is a very small world uh, and there's a lot of just fantastic innovations that's been that has happened and, and is are happening within it. But you know, unless you kind of get on a little bit of a platform and talk about learnings and talk about war wounds and talk about uh, opportunities and great ideas and innovations, sometimes that stuff gets buried. So thank you for having the podcast. Right. Uh, sure. and, and, Absolutely. And, uh, and look, and I'll, I'll go back to what I said in the very beginning, um, you know, the unstructured data world is, is really getting crazy, crazy hot because we're finally able to put a lot of this data to work. And uh, again, whether it's AI, ML, if it's self-driving boats and cars, it's natural language processing, it's image recognition, all of this stuff that we consider to be part of the modern tech trends are all backed and supported by unstructured data. So um, it's an exciting time. Uh, I really appreciate the the, the opportunity to, to speak with you today. And uh, yeah, go, go grab the Phoenix Project, man. I think you'll love it. You'll, you'll probably read it and relate to it more than you realize. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah I, I, uh, I have a vacation coming up so I'll I'll grab it so I can uh, kick back by the pool and, and and read the Phoenix project. So good for you. Uh, w- once again appreciate it And before I close out here, just want to put a plug in for the LinkedIn group backup and recovery professionals that I created. Uh, a while ago, there are over 25,000 security storage, backup and recovery professionals all in that group having great conversations and uh, leveraging each other for career opportunities and also just keeping each other informed about what's happening within the industry. So please go out and and check the group out and, and also join the group as well. So once again, thanks for being a listener of Data Protection Gumbo. Make sure that you back up often and secure your data at all costs.